Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today, a bit of a different one. Typically, the majority of our podcasts are with coaches at one level or another, on-field baseball coaches. Today, we're going to be talking with a strength coach, uh, John Patrick. He's he's uh, a, a great guy with a tremendous amount of experience, and I think we can learn a lot from anybody that's interested in the strength and conditioning side, whether you're uh, a novice or an expert in this area. I believe that you'll get something out of this, uh, so I appreciate you tuning into this. Uh, I'll give you a quick background on John Patrick before we jump into questions with him. He's a graduate of Mount Union College in Ohio, graduated with a degree in exercise science in 1999. He got his master's degree from Georgia Southern in 2004. That degree was in kinesiology. He's been a, a strength coach at Charlotte for the last five and a half years in Conference USA, obviously in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also spent time as a strength coach at Kennesaw State, Youngstown State, Jacksonville University, he was an intern with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a grad assistant at Georgia Southern. He's also been a minor league strength and conditioning coach with the Cleveland Indians and Detroit Tigers. Coach Patrick, a tremendous amount of experience you're bringing to the podcast today, so I certainly appreciate you joining us. No, Jeff, I really appreciate it. It's going to be a pretty exciting podcast, and I'm uh, really interested in answering any questions you guys have, so it's fantastic. So the first question I want to ask you, you've spent time in the baseball and the football world and maybe other sports as well, but I know those two specifically. Um, and I think one of the first questions that a lot of, or, or uh, a hesitation, maybe more so than a question that a lot of baseball people have is I think there's concern, uh, especially at lower levels about lifting weights and, and maybe getting too tight. And, and I think one of the things that baseball players are aware of is that you know, loose muscles are uh, uh, are usually better for baseball. Kind of, you know, long and loose muscles. Guys aren't aren't maybe as as bulky and thick as you might see in football. And I think that's a concern sometimes with youth baseball. And the majority of our uh, of our subscribers, uh, the, the majority of them are in the high school level. Obviously, we go from all the way from you know t-ball through college and even pro ball with subscribers. But the majority are in high school. For someone who maybe has that perception that they're a little bit timid about lifting weights, or maybe like uh, having like a, I don't want to get too big type of mentality because they're worried about losing some mobility, some range of motion, or you know getting too tight, particularly in the shoulders, particularly for pitchers. Uh, Coach Patrick, for people that maybe have that idea about strength and conditioning, how, what what's, what's a conversation you would have with that person to um, I guess to to ease that concern? No, hundred percent. I mean, it, that's it's been taboo for many many years, right? Even when I worked in the minor leagues back in the in the early 2000s, but it's really about educating yourself on, on you know, what moves to do and really uh, going with a qualified professional and really train what you need to. I mean, I think a lot of athletes, uh, you know, especially at the high school level or, you know, uh, at the youth level, really kind of get fall into that perspective of doing, uh, I don't want to say football workouts, but it's kind of like the football coach pretty much runs the strength, the weight room, right? So, Everybody's going to be doing similar workouts and whatnot. Um, we don't know what those individuals' backgrounds are. I mean, some are, some are qualified, some are not. Um, some just do things that uh, maybe they learned when they were playing in, in, in sports or whatnot. So there is a way to train. You know, I like, you know, you said long, loose muscles. I, I kind of call it whippy, you know, making the athlete a little bit whippy or a little bit more uh, elastic. And there are, you know, different training modalities you can do that are going to benefit that, you know. So um, I think a huge thing is, you know, 
when com- it coming in and training athletes is, is definitely an assessment. You know, every athlete is not the same. Uh, some athletes are going to be more strength based. Some are more endurance based. Um, you know, and that's pretty much selective dependent on sport too. You're going to have some of those high school, you know, youth players that uh, don't excel at youth ball and then they find another sport. You're going to have some high school players that don't excel at that sport and move on to uh, maybe don't play in college. Uh, so we kind of have like a self selecting system, sort of say, through in, 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 you know, in America in our baseball system. But um, it's also a system that anybody can play at any level, right? Like um, if I want to play, you know, a freshman in high school and I want to play athletics, I can go out to the team. And if I'm good enough to throw the ball, you know, from the outfield to the cutoff, um, I might make the team, right? So that's a big thing is, is you know, really having an assessment on those athletes, um, seeing what they need. You know, obviously, if you have an athlete that is pound-for-pound uh, pound really strong, um, he's not going to need to get any stronger. So, you know, depending on certain percentages off his body weight, so you can work on different modalities as far as training goes. It could be more plyometric training. It could be more uh, accommodating resistance and working on explosiveness. Uh, but the whole premise is that obviously have a strong base first as far as a strength base. And then pretty much from there, building those components to make that athlete the way you want to make the athlete. So um, not all training programs are created equal. Not all athletes are created equal. That's why I think assessments are essential. Uh, but just like we talked about before in the past, I mean, uh, it's really dependent upon two as far as uh, being selective as far as the athlete. So, you know, really, you know, there's a lot of athletes that are playing multiple sports in schools or whatnot, um, and that's fantastic. That's going to build athleticism, but their skill set is eventually uh, it's going to catch up to them, right? So usually if they're playing multiple sports, usually they're junior or senior year in high school, uh, they're going to have to choose if they want to play, you know, if they want to play football, if they want to play basketball, if they want to go on to the next level of college. So that's when that, that specialization is really going to come into play. Um, as far as what they choose, and that's when they're really going to excel quite a bit um, in those sports. But getting back to the topic at hand, I mean, I think an assessment is huge, but then really understanding, you know, not doing the same program year-round, um, you know, adding in different aspects as far as training, as far as some mobility work, as far as uh, some manual therapy, as far as, uh, you know, even yoga, um, just from a meditation standpoint, all those things are essential it just depends on, on uh, really, you know, how many days a week that you're training. I mean, there's so many things that, that fall into play. Um, but, you know, just like you said, it does get a little bit of taboo. I think it's excelled in, in really uh, in the past five to ten years. Um, you know, baseball training has really uh, come to the forefront. And individuals now understand that they need to train. <clears throat> the biggest thing is just how do they need to do it. So, Really, you know, there's so many specialties, specialists out there as far as training specific sports, and those people have their niches. Um, and some are fantastic, and some aren't. You just need to find what is the best fit and how to train that athlete that you need. So, um, for sure. I have several questions uh, just based on that answer alone. Um, and, and one of them, I guess, would be just, I guess, first to, as a part B to that question, is there any reason for a high school athlete or even a college athlete to not 
be in the weight room? Is there, is there is there any any argument that someone could give you that you would say, yeah, that's a good reason. Like maybe maybe you shouldn't you don't need to be in the weight room, or is is it you know based on what what position they play or just how their body's built if they're naturally a pretty big person already? Uh, is, is there is there any reason that someone that someone could give you when you would say, yeah, that's a good reason to not be in the weight room, or do you think everyone benefits in some way or another from being in there? No, 100%. Everybody benefits. I don't care if it's, I mean, I know this is primarily, you know, baseball specific, specific, but like any sport as far as, you know, if you want to be competitive, if you want to play, you know, at the next level, if you want your game to improve, if you want to be durable throughout the season, it's a must. So, I mean, uh, there's, there's nothing that goes to it. I've had some athletes in the past, you know, um, that were just monsters, the physical monsters, but the big thing is the durability aspect. That's only going to last so long so the way that you you know you know i know this is totally off the, the subject but you know if you're playing at a high school level and you have your your regular season and then you go play travel ball and you have another season they're usually running back to back and i mean it's hard to get training days in but to be durable to play that many specific games in a time period it's essential that you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally and uh you know weight training is something that is uh is going to keep you durable and keep your body uh healthy and longevity in the long run it's just a matter that you maybe you just can't go as heavy at times you, you maybe you'll go a little bit lighter at times maybe you'll just work on mobility for specific time periods uh but it really depends on when your competitions are and stuff like that but getting back to it i think it's essential for athletic performance so let's talk about that a little bit coach about in-season and off-season workouts and and the difference in the two let's start with in-season workouts first uh, what are what are some some of the focal points of an in-season workout and something that may be different in-season than out-of-season? And, and can we even get into, like, how often uh, you are strength training with the guys? So in a, in a college baseball season, typically you're playing four or five days a week. Um, you know, how many days are your guys lifting? Are, are you trying to lift on, um, you know, on off days? Are you trying to lift, like, after a practice on a, on a day so that an off day can be a true off day? Uh, just, you know, can we talk about that? Just, you know, when, when to strength train during the season, uh, and what might be different about an in-season program as opposed to an off-season program? No, 100%. I mean, first and foremost, at the college level, I mean, the biggest aspect as far as development goes, uh, that's a hindrance is time. Just because the NCAA does regulate quite a bit of time periods. So we do have a lot of individuals that, you know, we try to give athletes as much time as possible to train, meaning as many options. Uh, to train just because, you know, around practice schedules or whatnot, we do have voluntary times to kids come in too, and they even train outside of our supervision sometimes. So it's really, it needs to be really synergistic as far as your communication with the athlete or whatnot. But getting back to in season, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll split up position player and pitcher because uh, that usually is how everybody breaks it up. But um, usually our, our position players, which are the easiest uh, to try to regulate, sort of say, um, are usually training three days a week at a minimum. They may get a fourth day a week. Uh, we train on uh, competition days, uh, so we regulate intensity depending on if they are in the starting lineup or if they're not in the starting lineup. Um, usually those lifts are, you know, if we're training three days a week, it may be something we're doing total body every day. Um, if we're training four days a week, uh, we may be doing three days a week total body and then um, – like an extra metabolic day or extra recovery day, depending on uh, if the individual's playing or not. And then all, obviously we, we dictate the volume based off playing time. So 
I've always been an individual that, uh, you know, we really don't, you know, you can redshirt players in, in baseball, but some places they don't. So it just depends on the institution you're at. So, you know, I try to dictate everything and individualize everything so that, you know, if we have an individual that's not getting a lot of playing time, uh, they're not losing strength throughout the, the period of the, the in-season. Uh, that's that's something that we don't want to happen because with, with the decrease in strength, obviously you're going to have decreased power output, you're going to have an increase in injury rate. Uh, there's a lot of other things. And it's also a confidence aspect too. So uh, we try to dictate, you know, those levels of volumes with individuals that are playing. You know, if we do have a four-game series on the weekend and they're playing all four days, um, let's, be, let's be serious. There's going to be some days that you're on the field that uh, – you know, if you're playing outfield, you may not get a lot of balls hit to you. Um, so, I mean, it's not as if the workouts – we may have guys train on game days, uh, depending on how they feel. Some guys love training on game days because it gets them a little bit extra loose, uh, maybe gets them uh, psychologically ready, right? Uh, you see that at the, the pro level quite a bit just because they're so playing so many games on a daily basis. So we'll actually, you know, train in the morning and then uh, possibly play a game, you know, if it's a Friday game, we'll play later in the afternoon, you know, six or so. Uh, if it's a, you know, weekend game, we play, may play a little bit earlier in the morning, like around noontime, but there will be guys that come in at eight, get a quick workout in. And those workouts are pretty much, they might be neural primer. So it'd be something like, you know, working on range of motion, working on being explosive, not handling really heavy loads, um, for excessive reps and maybe handling excess, a heavy load for like, uh, very limited repetitions, uh, but we're looking for bar speed, we're looking for velocity, and then, you know, if we move a weight fast, then the whole correlation is, is hopefully when we go and we hit a ball or throw a ball, then that correlation feeds over. So you're kind of like priming the nervous system a little bit. Um, so it really dictates what kind of facilities you have, what kind of staff you have, and really if your coaches are on board with that. So from a, st- you know, from a staff member, you know, I, I feel is that I'm a customer service provider. So I go to the coach and say, Hey, you know, what do you look out of your team? What, you know, how's, how's it going? I'll go to each individual coach, you know, preparely, you know, the, the hitting coach. And I've worked with some great hitting coaches and go, Hey, you know, what's this individual need more? What's, you know, they're there at practice. They see the hitting drills individuals do, you know, with technology, you can, you can tell what bat speed is and the distance that they're hitting the ball. So you can kind of emulate of what those individuals need. Um, Based off that, you know, if it's something that an individual doesn't have, just has warning track power, it may be something that they need to work on, you know, more, more strength aspect. And then once we have a period of building on more strength, then we'll go into more power development, right? So if it's somebody that's underdeveloped, then we may be looking at, you know, not necessarily increasing power just yet, but increasing muscle size and muscle strength because without strength, uh, you're not going to be able to produce power. So, um, and then from there, in-season-wise, we work on a lot of mobility work, you know, and that, that comes with, uh, from our pre, you know, pre-competition routine as far as our warm-up activities, um, you know, to like a cool-down, you know, after every after every game or even after every practice in-season, we do cool-down activities too as far as like a recovery for the shoulder using, uh, you know, we big proponents of, uh, you know, the driveline company and using their, you know, cuffs and using their weighted balls. So we'll do some cool down aspects instead of just practicing being over and then just people just walking off the field and then wondering why they're sore the next day. There has to be a premise that we come in and we try to take care of those, those, uh, you know, those, those, I guess, body parts that are always kind of like nagging a little bit, you know, the shoulders, sometimes the elbows, the hips, uh, the ankles, 
and try to have like a quick, real, like, cool-down stretch. Um, recovery works so that way they're kind of like uh, complete that process. So it's, there's, you know, there's always a start, you know, we always start practices and, and warm-ups and weight training uh, with like a warm-up or something, but we rarely ever finish everything. So I like to do stuff that, you know, gets us mentally focused to start, but then also turns that trigger off so that we can totally, you know, cool down and kind of uh, switch that brain off a little bit because if we're always in a, a, a very uh, excited state, then it's going to be harder for our recovery. So that's pretty much from a position player standpoint. Uh, you know, as far as days a week or whatnot, uh, from a pitcher standpoint, it, you know, even from fall ball, uh, we go off of rotation. So um, everything is based off rotation. Our you know pitchers are training anywhere from five to six days a week. Uh, you know, even their off days, which may be a seventh day, uh, that they're at, not at the ballpark, they're still, you know, kind of uh, – uh, you know, told that they can come in and do recovery work if they need to. There's voluntary things that they could do. Um, there's always something listed as far as stretches or yoga or something. But, you know, our, those days, it's not necessarily they're doing weight training, you know, for those five or six days a week. Um, they're primarily, you know, there's active recovery days in there too. So even when you have a day off, you're still doing something to help prepare that body uh, for the next day that you have to train. So uh, roughly during the end season, we're training, you know, Roughly three days a week, weight training wise, and then we'll have a fourth, uh, a fourth weight training day, uh, which is pre-competition day, which it acts like our uh, pretty much our neuromuscular day, like our primer day. It gets us excited and everything ready to pitch, uh, activates everything ready to pitch the next day. That's usually before our competition day, and then uh, we'll add in you know one or two recovery days in there where it's just uh, mobility, flexibility, stretching. Uh, maybe light jogging, maybe sled pulls, sled pushes, just for uh, some type of recovery work. But those other three days a week, you know, that day after we pitch, we usually have a heavy lower body day. Um, and then the day two directly afterwards, uh, we'll have some type of upper body day uh, with, with, you know, more intense uh, core activation or core work. Uh, and then they'll pretty much have their bullpen day. We have kind of have like a recovery day for that. They might do like a primer before they throw a bullpen, and they can do that right down at the facility. They don't want some of the weight room for that because it's a lot of body weight, a lot of jumping, sprinting, med ball throws. Um, then they'll come in after their bullpen day. They'll do a single leg, single leg, lower body, more power. So working on bar speed, working on being explosive, um, still more isolated shoulder work, like shoulder stability work, some uh, mobility of the upper body as far as prehab goes. And then, uh, you know, then they'll have another, you know, primer day. That's the day before competition. You know, then from there they'll throw. And uh, the following day, and that pretty much, you know, goes through our, our pretty much intent as far as our, our you know, seven-day week process. And they'll usually have one day in there that's like an off day. Uh, and it just depends on where it is in the week and where they are in rotation and what they have to do with the pitching staff uh, as far as the coaching staff goes. So, Everything's dictated off, you know, certain days. And there'll be some relievers that are a little bit jammed up because maybe they pitched multiple days or whatnot. So their their schedule has to be uh, adjusted a little bit. Um, but like I said earlier, I mean, all those individuals go through assessments. They go through, uh, you know, what is what are their basic needs. And that those programs usually run, you know, for position players, I go on a four-week block, so every four weeks – we kind of change uh, our emphasis 
Um, so you know, if you're going into a preseason, if you're going to it like a preseason area, let's say we play, we start playing in February. Well, if we get back from winter break from a collegiate standpoint, you know, we work on a little bit more strength, gaining strength, but that strength is pretty much going to be, you know, that's coming off of winter. So who knows what they really did during the winter when they're at home? They should have been training. Uh, so from there, we try to get things activated and start working on more. About two weeks out from in season, we start working on more power production um, and really working on moving bar speed. You know, as far as being efficient. So instead of moving, you know, heavy weight uh, for multiple reps, we'll usually do singles or doubles and work on really being concise with our technique, but moving that bar as fast as possible. So our intent is not to build muscle mass. Um, it's to maintain strength and, and increase our power output. And that even means at times really decreasing that percentage that we're using. So we might work in the 50% range, 60% range, and do one or two reps with limited rest time in between, but working on that consistent power. Just like, just like you were swinging a bat, right? Like, um, you know, you take a swing, you walk out, you wait for the pitcher to get reset, and then we get ready to, to load and explode again. And it's very similar. We might be doing squats, and it may be something we're doing 10 sets of two with a 30-second rest and a lighter weight, and we're trying to move that weight as fast as we can. It almost emulates uh, a swing of a bat. You know, if you're in there for a 10-pitch count um, and you're bouncing balls off or whatnot, um, it's emulating that same thing. So we can produce the same power output consistently all the time. Now, there's certain set rep, set and rep ranges that uh, coincide with that just because we don't want to go into fatigue and, and totally uh, fatigue athlete during training. Uh, but it also emulates the same thing from a pitching standpoint also. So it's really working on energy system development. Um, and we're trying to emulate exactly what we do on the field in our training. So, and that happens not only, you know, in season, but, you know, obviously in the collegiate sector too, we have uh, fall ball. So we try to emulate that also. So our off season in, in baseball is very, very limited just because with uh, summer league and, and, you know, guys, you know, traveling, or maybe there's some guys that have internships or working. Um, it's very limited. So it's, you know, our strengths, our ability to work strength, we try to emphasize that as much as possible, but, our main premise during in-season is really maintaining that strength, but we're really working on explosive power, if that makes sense. Keeping those guys durable and healthy is huge. Coach, you mentioned warm-ups and, uh, and even, and even post, uh, post-lift stretches. I've been to some places before where the players just really don't treat, um, a dynamic warm-up as being very important, especially younger guys and especially, when the weather is nice, you know, it's, it's warm out. I'm already warm. I'm already loose. I just kind of want to know just from, from a, you know, from your standpoint with, you know, all your experience, how important is it that guys, uh, warm up before a practice and before strength training and what type of warm up are we talking about? Uh, and, and I guess for, for how long, like if I'm, if I'm going to get the most out of this lifting session and if I'm going to be, uh, you know, ready as I, I step on the field for practice and I'm going to be immediately ready to be as explosive as possible. Like what's, how important is it that I warm up and what sort of warm up should I be shooting for? hundred percent. And I think, I think it changes depending on what environment you're in, what you're doing, what you want to get out of the training. Uh, but the thing is, is really educating yourself how to prepare correctly. Right. And that, that's what this is all about. So we can just go through some things real quick. And, and if I, if I miss something, you know, you can, you can come back and, and ask me what we do. But uh, just off the top of my head, 
um, you know, let's say from a weight training perspective, right? So weight training perspective, even a conditioning perspective, I, I, I really hate to use the word conditioning in a, a baseball setting because, um, you know, you do need some aerobic capacity, meaning you need some, some ability to, to run a, a distance just for recovery aspects. But the days of running poles and running, you know, miles and, and stuff like that, those days are, are pretty much past us. Um, it's inefficient for the sport. Um, it doesn't do any, any good for the human body as far as uh, for the sport of baseball. Uh, there's other things that can emulate our energy system that are going to be more productive. Um, and you're really doing that, especially at the lower level. You're really hating, you're really making individuals um, kind of dislike exercise, if that makes sense, right? Like, um, you know, some people are not built to run a mile or two miles or whatnot. Um, I mean, it's okay to do it once in a while, but if it's something you're continuously, you know, digging in or routinely doing to an individual, especially at a low training age, um, you're really setting it up in areas that they could be benefiting as far as strength training, and you're do- not really doing a very good, you know, due diligence for them, you know. So that's where education comes into play. Um, just trying to emulate things that really are more specific uh, to baseball. So, you know, from a conditioning standpoint, you know, for our warm-up, uh, you know, we usually, I combine our, I, I say, you'll hear me say prehab a lot, right? So prehab um, really indicates exercises that, are working on stability, stability of uh, structures of the body, whether it's shoulders, whether it's hips, whether it's ankles. It's promoting mobility and stability on areas that are problematic, right? So that's where you're doing your therapeutic exercises. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different, maybe some body weight exercises, just stuff to that is really trying to make things bulletproof, right? So uh, working on, you know, glute activation, working on thoracic mobility, working on, uh, you know, shoulder stability, working on ankle mobility, everything that, um, working on movement prep, everything that is going to make you bulletproof and, uh, really, uh, durable to, to injuries, right? So we do those things before we actually, you know, go into dynamic warm up. So we do a lot of those things calisthenic wise, you know, twisting, stretching, some, most of it's all done in place. And then from there, uh, we do that. We roughly spend about five to ten minutes on that. It's very proactive. Everything is – it can be done on time. It can do sets and reps. Time is usually a lot easier because it makes things flow a lot faster because in the collegiate world, we are very set on uh, being rigid on time just because we are, just like I said earlier, really restricted by NCAA as far as how much time we train with our athletes. Uh, so for me to go, hey, we're doing ten reps <laughs> and a kid only does six um, – you know, that's that's problematic, right? We want kids to stay away from that. So we try to do it on time. That way, if a kid wants to work a little bit slower, he can. If he wants to stay and, and stretch a little bit longer on one side of the body, he can do that. So it makes things very individualized for those individuals. Um, and then when we go into dynamic warm-up, and obviously dynamic warm-up is a very active movements. So it's something that's going to be doing, you're going to be doing, uh, you know, while you're trying to warm up the body, sort of say. So... <clears throat> That's when you're doing your high knees, your A skips, your skips for height, you know, your your quad pulls, uh, your single leg RDLs, like more specific movement based stuff. So we'll do that at a pretty fast pace, um, just because we're trying to break a sweat. And it's really a point in time where we're really just like I said earlier in the weight training sessions, we're really trying to flip that switch. Usually, you know, if you go to a training session and, and uh, you know, it's it's like you know. 
guys are just laying around and they're talking during warm up, and it's not really like it's not really taken seriously, right? Well, this is something that this is, has to be the starting point that hey, you're engaging in that stuff. And some people have might already done some early work, so with the coach or something beforehand. So this is where hey, this is the beginning of practice. This is where the switch is getting flipped. This is like the time to turn it on. So this is like that process that we're going through. Just like I talked about the recovery aspects afterwards. That's kind of like this flipping the light switch off, right? So everything's done really smooth. Everything's done well. Um, and then from there, after that, we break. Um, after we go through our dynamic, and we break. When we break after that, um, you know, then we'll go into our speed training sessions or whatever we're doing for conditioning wise. We run a very similar warm up during pre practice. Um, and when we go pre-practice, uh, after we break, then we have a routine that we do afterwards. So we'll split up in half of individuals, let's say pitchers. We'll go do, uh, you know, like a activation routine with our, you know, driveline uh, weighted balls and cuffs just to get the shoulders ready. Uh, the other half, maybe position players will go. We use uh, J-bands a lot. We'll go through the J-band series just to work on different modalities as far as the shoulder, strengthening the shoulder, stabilizing the shoulder, and another movement because we're going to go into our throwing program right afterwards. Um, so the big thing is, is they flip after that, and each one does uh, what the other one did before, and then position players will go right into their throwing program. Uh, pitchers will usually you know, go in to do things that uh, they need to do, whether it's throwing bullpen or long toss or, or you know, whatever they're doing for the day. Uh, we'll go into that. Um but it's really a structured setting. It's something we do consistently all the time. I think it's really important to, you know, try try to change very sets and reps on your J-band series and on your weighted ball series. It's something that you should be doing consistently year-round. I think there needs to be a downtime for that. But that's all dependent on, you know, what you think. But, like, our early – like, our training age individuals that are young and uh, those are individuals that, you know – kind of have to be eased into that process because doing those things with a lot of volume um, could increase soreness or whatnot. Uh, so we have different sets of rep schemes set up for that. And that's also, you know, I say that for our freshmen or our, our lower level training age individuals, but it also goes for our individuals that are pitching a lot of innings too. So, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I just put out a, a, a tweet a little bit earlier about the body, the body doesn't, it, it just knows stress, right? It doesn't know if it's physical stress, emotional stress. It just knows stress. You have, if you have an individual that's consistently, you know, throwing at a high rate or throwing at a high efficiency all the time, they don't know that any different stress than someone that is uh, maximal sprinting, if that makes sense. So you really have to you really have to understand the wear and tear of the athlete. And there's a lot of technology today that you can use to to assess that. But our freshmen coming in. They not, may not be ready to really train that much, so you kind of have to ease them into the process. And then our upperclassmen uh, who are training a lot, it's sometimes that you have to decrease their volume also because they don't need as much stimulus, if that makes sense. So um, they already have the, the repetition in, 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 the, in the understanding of how to throw certain pitches. So if they just need to you know, do a couple less just because they'll be a little bit more fresh, um, then that's what happens too. And I think that's – a lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, you know, hey, if this kid's better, he needs to throw more. Um, and that's not the case at all. You're just pretty much setting up individual uh, for probably a pre-existing injury or something like that. So uh, that goes through pretty much 
our conditioning warm-up. It goes through uh, our pre-practice warm-up. From a weight, weight training standpoint, um, weight, tra- weight training is very similar, except uh, it may be individualized based upon what our assessment tells us in the weight room. So if an individual comes in and they have poor, uh, let's say a, a poor internal rotation of the hip, there may be some exercises before they even warm up that they need to do to help with that that issue, right? Now everybody's going to have, you know, the body, human body would never be uh, perfectly symmetrical, all right? Um, it's not made that way. It's not designed that way. And with excessive throwing or excessive hitting, it'll never be that way at all. So um, we're trying to minimize the difference as much as possible. So if someone comes in and they're, you know, they're right-handed and their you know, right scap is, is overdeveloped and they have, you know, their anteriorly rotated shoulders, their internal rotation of their hip uh, on their push leg is, uh, or their brace leg is, is internally rotated. Those things are all going to be, they're going to be there for their entire career. And it's going to be harder to change with the older athlete. Um, but the thing is that we can minimize that as much as possible or put exercise in there to minimize uh the wear and tear of the body, uh, that's our, that's our job, right? So with, you know, that's where youth, youth and intermediate and then college kind of come into play. Like youth, it's essential to teach. It's not, you know, it's not really essential to really put a bar on their back, but, um, it's essential to teach proper, you know, proper mechanics, proper range of motion, um, how to do things correctly, making sure that they, you know, are structurally sound. Um, and then once you move to the high school level, uh, then you can start, you know, they can just start, do, you know, doing more free weight movements. Um, they can be very generalized, you know, their freshman, sophomore years. And then as they get older, make things a little bit more specific if they decide that the sport, you know, that they're going into is what they're going to be playing. Um, you can make things a little more specific to see if there's a, see if the strength that they've gained kind of transitions onto the gate, the playing field. Uh, and then same thing with freshmen, you know, freshmen through, senior in college, if they make it to their senior, don't get, you know, don't leave or get drafted. Uh, very similar situation, you know. We kind of first year kind of get them acclimated to a general strength level because usually no athletes that come to the college level are strong enough uh, just because a lot of high school athletes are playing travel ball or, or their time is really run thin as far as weight training. It's not as that people don't see it as a necessity at the high school level, even though it is. Uh, so we come in and, and work on, you know, maximal strength, gaining strength, uh, body weight to strength ratio, increasing that as much as possible. Uh, and then based off that, after the freshman year, then we could go through a pretty much performance profile and see, you know, what their vertical jump is, what their triple jump is, what their static, uh, jump is, what their broad jump is, what their single leg jumps are, um, what their upper body strength is, what their grip strength is, and then dictate a, uh, you know, there's other assessments too that we could do, but then designed a pretty much, you know, a more individualized training program uh, for them throughout the rest of their collegiate career. So um, that's how weight rooms pretty much set up as far as a warm-up goes, is they really go in and we try to, based off that assessment, we try to find out what each individual needs most, you know. So um, and we try to activate, we'll go through a dynamic warm-up again, and then they'll go into weight training. But really it's a little bit more individualized where out on the field and during condition it may be a little bit more generalized, if that makes sense. Oh man, there's so many directions that I want to go. Um, we could we could talk for three hours in this podcast, I think, because everything, every answer you give, you know, just there's a couple other things that I want to 
I want to ask you based on right. your answers. Uh, but the first one I'm going to ask you now is just going back to something you touched on, but I just want to put a little more emphasis on it about distance running. Um, you know, social media is, uh, the toxicity of social media is overwhelming sometimes, but the, the people that, that talk about, uh, distance running on social media, you know, just, it, it gets cruel sometimes, but, but I think there's something to it about distance running. You, you said that the, the, the days of running miles and running poles in baseball, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not something that's, that's functional for the sport, but you still do condition guys. So without distance running, um, you know, for, for teams that like, for, for coaches that like to condition that they think that there's, it's not just getting guys physically conditioned, but it's getting them, um, you know, in a, in a competitive mode and, and making guys tougher. I think that's why a lot of old school coaches right. like to right. condition guys is to toughen them up and, uh, and to kind of see who, who's going to quit and who's going to power through some, some difficult, uh, things that, they, that the coach might put them through. So for you, coach Patrick, what, um, without distance running, what sort of conditioning do you do with, with players to, to really, t- to challenge them on the conditioning side of things and to push them, but, but something that's going to be a little more apt to baseball. No, hundred percent. I mean, and you're, you're exactly right. It deals with mental toughness. Um, and some people, you know, Hey, we're going to run, we're going to do this thing because it's going to make you tough. Um, you know, I think tough is all about the circumstances that you grow up through and, and how you're brought up. Um, I think those are, those are initially, those give you the, I guess the, the outline of, of what your makeup is, right? So you can, you can really push through things. Um, you know, I hate to use physical activity to make someone tough, but there are people that do that and, and we go, go from there. But some things, you know, aerobic work is essential, right? So aerobic work is, you can, the poles, the, you know, the mile runs, whatever. It is essential to a point, but <clears throat> you need to do a point that is, very energy, energy system specific. Um, so there's never a point in time, you know, on the field that we're going to be doing something for a consistent, you know, for a 20 minute period of time or a 15 minute period of time. And there's going to be short bouts of, of rest. So you can always gather yourself and, and, you know, think clearly and recover. There's plenty of recovery time when you're out there. So, you know, the biggest thing, um, another thing with aerobic work is it helps you, uh, centralize or get back to your regular state quicker, right? So if I run, uh, if I, you know, if I bump the ball and I run to first and I'm going as hard as I can, if I have a decent aerobic base, when I get back on base, then I can steal second without any issue. You know what I'm saying? Cause I've recovered and I can, I can do those repeatable activities. Um, if it's something that I'm not recovered, uh, then I might have to wait for a couple pitches before I gave my air and go from there. That, that, that deals with size and individual too, right? If I have a big guy and he's unable to, you know, maybe he can't, he can't run, um, but he just can't recover good enough. It may be something to do with his aerobic capacity, but that's something that you never want to train that during in season. You don't really want to train that during fall ball. There's only specific times and periods that you want to really train that. The way that we ran, you know, relate that is we can do a thing called tempo runs. So we, we gauge everything off total volume. So total volume is essential uh, because then it's just like, uh, you know, counting the number of pitches, uh, that a pitcher has in a competition or, um, you know, I, I mean, same thing with like at bats, um, you know, certain things like that or at innings that an individual may play, they, or a catcher may play, he may need to rest after so many innings if he's caught like three straight games. 
So we do all of our conditioning based off total volume, and we, we wave that throughout the, the year. So we usually do a full-week wave. Uh, and by total volume, I mean like the amount of yards that we run. So let's say you want to run a mile, right, which is usually 1,600 meters or, you know, 1,600 yards, whichever, whichever one you count. I know they're not the same measurements, but we're just going to dictate that to American standards. But, um, you know, so we want to run a mile. It might be something we separate that mile into certain distances. So maybe we just run, um, maybe we'll run a hundred, maybe run 16, one hundreds. Uh, but we don't do it as, you know, a lot of us did in high school football where we're going, we're trying to run it in 16 seconds or something, you know, we're totally gassed. Right. So let's say we run that, that hundred meters. We usually want to run it anywhere from like 70, 70 to like 80% of our heart rate. Right, so this is where heart rate comes into into play. If you have Apple Watch, if you have some type of heart rate monitor, if you do something, um, you can dictate that because you're working in the appropriate aerobic zone, the energy zone, the, the energy system zone that you need. So you run, you do your, you know, uh, amount of uh, hundred yards. You check your, you know, your weight. You'll run another one depending on distance. We usually do that on set. So let's say we're going to do sixteen, sixteen hundreds. So let's say we're going to do four sets of four, right? So we run our four sets of four, we run 100 yards, we rest uh, 40 seconds, and we do that conservatively four times. After that set of four, we take our heart rate, all right? And during that, we find out what our heart rate is. There has to be a certain zone that's 70 to 80% that our heart rate needs to be at based off our max heart rate. And if we're not in that zone, right, if we're higher, then we need to take a little bit longer rest time or we can go at a little bit slower pace. If we're too low, then we either quicken up the rest time or we increase the pace. Um, and then from there, we do that, you know, based off that, we do that after about a two-minute or 2.30 break, we do three more sets of that at that same thing. So everything's dictated, right? So if I go run 20, you know, for 20 minutes, um, it's not specific to my means and I may be overreaching in my heart rate variability, if that makes sense. So the heart rate zone, because after 20 minutes, I might just be totally cooked and my jog might eventually, my run might go to a jog and then my jog to a walk. And then pretty soon I'm just walking and my heart rate is still jacked up. Right. Um, the work isn't working efficiently. My heart's just working efficiently. Uh, and it's not necessarily what I want to do. I'm trying to work on my cardio you know, respiratory aspect. I'm not trying to work on my aerobic aspect. So um, I try to break it up into those small sections because mentally it's able, it's easier to get through, obviously, but it's not breaking down the body in such intent. It's more specific to our energy system needs um, on the field compared to just general fitness needs, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, and some, you know, I know it's, it's the hard concept because you're like, well, you know, what, what time am I going to run the 100 meters in? Well, it may be something that if, you know, if you're more in shape, uh, you may run it in 16 seconds or you may run it in, you know, 17 seconds. If you're not as much in shape, you may run it in 20 or 25 seconds, but you're getting the, you're getting more benefit out of it because it's independent upon your heart rate. Uh, so if that makes sense. So that's what we kind of do. We kind of wave that volume. Um, you know, we may have some pitchers that, as they go through the season, they may go up to 2,000 meters or 2,200 meters, and then we wave it back down as like a like a. Now I really hate to say deload, but um, more of like a extra like 
I would say extra recovery, right? So instead of keep on climbing week after week after week, we kind of progress it and drop back down so the body has the ability to adapt. It's a little bit easier on our system, and then we kind of increase it from there. So we may go, and I know this is maybe hard to follow just because I like to ramble a lot, but we may go week one, 1,600 meters, and week two, 1,800 meters, week three, 2,000 meters, week four, 1,000 meters, and then week five, well, if we go back to week one, we ran 16, so let's run 17. So it'll go 17, 19, 21, and then our eighth week, instead of being 1,000, it may bump up to 1,100. Does that make sense? So then as the season goes on, our duration or our aerobic capacity is increasing, um, but there is going to be a point in time, especially as we get into competitions, that the closer we get to competition, the less work we want to do. Right, because as I said before, our body uh, does not understand where the stress is coming from. It only understands that we're putting our body in stress. So as we get closer to competition, that is mentally more fatiguing because all of a sudden we're doing more visualization. We're doing it may be something that we're playing, uh, you know, at a you know a big ballpark or maybe we're playing downtown and like. Uh, a minor league stadium, and that's a big environment that players might not be used to, so they're already excited about it. And so instead of more physical stress, the closer to competition, we're giving them less physical stress because their emotional stress is higher. So that's something where a lot of our work, as far as volume, as far as running goes, is going to come in maybe middle of the week. Uh, I would say right after, like day one after they're done pitching, but maybe day two, day three will be something maybe before they throw a bullpen, maybe days that we do more aerobic work as far as that goes. So that kind of dictates that we kind of break it down as far as that goes. Um, you know, we do do, we don't, we do do like sled pushes uh, for like max velocity days. We'll kind of prime that up with uh, different sled pushes depending on what weight we have. And even sometimes in our weight training, we'll add aerobic, or not say aerobic, we'll add uh, power exercises in there like sprints, Sled pushes, med ball throws, uh, jumps, uh, that all goes under conditioning in my mind as far as some of those things because we're getting the individual more powerful. Uh, but we also do, from a recovery standpoint, we do uh, sled drags and we do uh, upper body sled workouts, uh, which are just concentric, uh, which gets the body moving. Uh, it doesn't have eccentric load, so there's no, there's, there's less possibility of getting sore from it uh, because the eccentric load is not involved. So um, if that makes sense, that way, you know, you can work through range of motion. You can do different things upper body wise to strengthen and stabilize the shoulder, but, uh, and the upper body torso wise, but there's no eccentric movement. So you don't have to worry about really excessive stress on the body. And those may be things that are done uh, as a recovery post uh, practice. Um, it may be something that is done on a recovery day during the week for a pitcher uh, as like an extra workout, um, something that's going to get them moving and get their heart rate elevated and work on structurally their body without making them sore, if that makes sense. So uh, from a aerobic standpoint, I mean, we do tempos all the time. That's essential. Uh, we may do uh, anaerobic tempos, which is the same as aerobic tempos, except it's just a shorter distance and a higher intensity. So let's say for a position player, we want to run max sprints. Maybe we'll do aerobic. Maybe we'll do anaerobic tempos. So we're going to run 15-yard uh, sprints with uh, maybe a little bit lesser break, maybe a 15-second break in between. But those are these are going to be timed. 
So we need to hit a certain time for each one, and we're going to run uh, multiple sets of those. That way we can repeat. That repeatability as far as sprintability uh, is essential. Um, we may do that. It's pretty much volume down the same exact way that we would do our aerobic tempos, um, just increasing volume for three weeks, decreasing on the fourth week, and then increase it again. And then that will get our repeatability as far as our sprint availability a lot more. That way if we sprint to first, we can recover that 15 seconds, we're fully recovered, and then maybe we have to go on the first pitch and, and, and uh, steal on the first pitch. Boom, we're at second. Same sprint ability that we had going from first, from uh, home to first. Now we had it from first to second. And then there's a pass ball on the first pitch, uh, and we're able to go from second to third with the same sprint ability, if that, if that makes sense. So we try to mimic that gameplay as much as possible in our training. I love that. Um, do you find that do you find that you have to condition position players during the season, or is what they're doing in games and in practice is that conditioning enough? Where you feel like if you condition them, you're going to end up just breaking them down and harming them. Yeah. And I'm asking this obviously just for for a lot of for high school coaches or even lower level college coaches that might not have a strength coach. They might be their own strength coach. Right. So let's just try to point them in the right direction. Well, I think I think it's I think it's highly important that you keep those trainable uh, uh, the trainable abilities primed, right? So, as I said earlier, um, with weight training, as we get into the in season, right, our strengths kind of we're still maintaining trying to maintain strength, but working on more power. But what I didn't say is our our muscle building, our hypertrophy work is kind of lessened. Um, so there is a day that we do more hypertrophy work. Uh, but it's not a necessity. Like, we're not trying to put a lot of mass on the guys. We're just trying to maintain that mass, especially in season. Same thing with our, you know, I really hate to use the word conditioning, right? Because there's, there's such a there's such a negative uh, vibe with it, right? So for position players, I kind of call it speed work, you know, or, or you, know, um, you know, so, uh, or speed training, right? So, you know, there are going to be times that it is essential to work on that speed during practice. Uh, and a lot of coaches will implement that in. Like, they'll do, you know, uh, just base running drills. Um, but the thing is, it has to be a max effort. You're not going to maintain speed, and you're not going to increase speed if you're just running uh, at 80% or 85%. It has to be max effort. There has to be um, some rest time in between. Um, so it's different than anaerobic tempos. Uh, so those are, those are totally different days. So I think it's essential that you keep training uh, – those aspects as far as the energy system goes, um, it's, it, and they're going to get some carryover from their weight training if they're doing it correctly. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're doing their weight training and, and things are, the program's mimicking running style or it's mimicking the energy system, they're going to get some carryover, but it's just different, uh, when you, uh, when you're actually doing those things. And I'm not talking about a ton of reps. Um, you know, it might be something they do like some five yard sprints. They work on their starts, uh, for base feeling. They're work, you know, working on those kind of things. I wouldn't go, you know, past 20 yards. Might be something to do some hill sprints. Um, you know, not as, not aggressive hills, but maybe like a 5% grade. You could do it on a treadmill if you needed to. Uh, but just little things, just keep them happy because there's going to be some players during the games that, that don't play, right? That are just, uh, that just, have, have, you know, they're, they're backup players. Maybe they're, you know, younger players that maybe it's a big game. They just don't get in the game. Um, I think the worst thing you could possibly do is, uh, from a mentality standpoint, is those players that don't get any playing time, you have them run sprints after the game. 
Um, I know a lot of people do that, but I think it's demoralizing, especially if, uh, you know, people, your, your family comes to see you from out of state or someone comes to see you and, and, you know, instead of you going to see them in the stands or talk to them after the game, you have to go rev sprints. You know what I'm saying? So and it doesn't really put you in a, a great mindset either. I'm really, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really about setting up, uh, everything is in stages, right? Everything is, there's always a cue to start. There's always a cue to stop because it's just like at work, right? You don't want to bring work w- with you, uh, to your home life, right? You have to have a point in time where once you enter the door to work, you're working. Once you leave the door at work, work is there. And then you go and have a home life. Like there has to be separation because pretty soon that, that involves a mental aspect where you all of a sudden you're bringing work home. It's not enjoyable. Um, and that's a whole other talk, right? So I try to alleviate that by not doing those things after a game. Once the game is over, um, you know, it's over. And we'll condition those guys on another day uh, during during the week, if that makes sense. They might get a little bit more volume, uh, a couple more sprints. Uh, you know, they may do instead of running, you know, uh, two sets of three at five yards and two sets of three at ten yards and, you know, 220s. Just to work on explosive power, they may get, you know, they may do the same thing, except you'll take the, you know, they may do one one set of three at five yards, uh, two sets of three at 20 yards, and then like four 20s or something like that. They'll run more, a little bit more volume, um, just so that, you know, I'm not going to say stay in shape, but just so they're, they're primed and ready. Because they're doing stuff, even though they didn't play during the game, it's still emotional high and low, especially if it's a, a game that's up and down, there's still, that's still stress on their body, right? They're still, uh, they should still be understanding what the pitch count is. They should be understanding what's going on in the base path. They should be learning the game, which is mental. They shouldn't be joking around and, and stuff like that. So all that stuff is still going to play a, a, a toll on their stressors. And if you have the ability to train before a game, before competition, then that might be something where, you know, hey, you know, hey, Jimmy, you know, you're probably not going to play today. Um, you're going to do this volume or this workout. Uh, it may happen that he goes in and pitch runs or pitch hits in, in the later innings, possible, but the workout shouldn't be so intense that it totally, you know, uh, stops his ability to do a skill set, if that makes sense. Like, it shouldn't be something that totally destroys him. So, um, you know, that's where you kind of come into play. And, and, and yeah, I think it's essential to keep on doing some type of work with those individuals. So, Coach Patrick, one last question before I let you go. Um, is there anything – that you see from, say, lower-level strength coaches? Say, well, just is there anything you see from any strength coaches at any level that really makes you cringe? That you would that you think is important to address, not just maybe for your personal taste, but because you think that there's there's something that's maybe a little bit popular or that's um, that that is that you see a lot in baseball players that you just don't feel like is the right thing to do. Is there anything that stands out for you that you'd like well, to just address? You know. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, I think I think specificity too early is huge. Um, you know, I think you know, and I've talked to other people about this too. But just you know, if you have a kid that's in, 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 that's in junior high and they're getting specialized baseball training, um, you know, it's it's probably not it's probably not going to last very long. There's probably more essential things that they need to train or work on uh, that even at the high school level too. You know, you're going to have genetic freaks that get drafted out of high school. Um, but you know, general general strength training is essential. First, there's no real movements that are um, sport specific. Uh, you know, there, there's limit. There's movements that mimic 
sports, right? But there's nothing to say that if I throw this med ball at this miles per hour, that I could throw a pitch or I could swing a bat at this miles per hour. Does that make sense? Um, there's nothing that mimics that. The only thing that mimics that is gameplay. Um, so, you know, there's drills and stuff that you can work on, but, um, you know, being sports specific, you know, going to trainers that say they're sports specific, doing sports specific workouts, uh, it's really not, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like the new thing, right? Like you see it on social media, you see everything going on. I think everybody sees this from, you know, professional players getting, uh, specific training and then all of a sudden they say, well, hey, so-and-so is doing this, so I want to do this. Well, that's great, but, you know, you also don't have the skill set uh, of that player. So that's things that, if you want to do things that are more sports-specific, uh, don't do it in the training aspect as far as weight training. Uh, you know, do it in as far as going to practice, doing drills that help that, because the more you get better at hitting, throwing, uh, you know, pitching, then we can start implementing different drills into the weight training sessions. It's not vice versa. You have to be good at your sport before you become, you know, before you can change the variants of the weight training activities. It's not the other way around. You can't change the weight training activities to emulate what you're doing in the sport because the weight training, the weight training isn't going to do that. Uh, your sport movements are going to do that. So um, it's just like running, right? Um, you know, there are things that you can improve to do your running, but first, have to know how to run you know first you know babies just don't come out and they start running they have to walk first and then they kind of do a little baby jog and then once they reach adolescence then they can they can they know the mechanics of running same thing should be looked at as a development of baseball player at first your crawl is general strength training um and then from there you can move when you get to that baby walk you can move into more specificity as far as uh your skills on the baseball field and then after that, once you start running, then that's going to be, okay, now we can go and, and turn the specificity of what we're doing in the weight room into more specific things uh, that we need uh, for the baseball path, if that makes sense. So I think we're just specializing too early um, because, you know, maybe there's an older kid in your kid's class and you want him to be, you know, he's playing really good baseball, but the thing is, is there's a maturity level, right? He, like he's already matured to a certain level. His strength level is always already at a certain point. He's already really good baseball-wise. It's just that you're at your kid, no matter how, how much he trains, is never going to be as good as that individual until he matures and grows into those stages. And I think parents uh, kind of push that a little bit too quickly. Um, and even some coaches push that a little bit too quickly. But things have to be individualized more often for those athletes, especially um, in those adolescent ages. So that's and what I mean by individualized is, you know, you know, Tommy needs to start doing more general strength training stuff. And then as he gets good at that sport, then we can start doing more individualized work. But that's not going to be until maybe his junior or senior year in high school, not necessarily a freshman or sophomore, if that makes sense. Really good stuff all around. This is John Patrick, everybody. He's a longtime uh, collegiate strength coach. And just uh, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for you taking the time to come on this podcast today and just help anybody who's interested in the strength and conditioning side to have – you know, more knowledge. There's a lot of people out there that are kind of forced to run the strength programs at their schools, whether they're a high school coach or a strength coach, but they might not have the degree, the background that you do. So, you know, sharing any information like this is, is extremely valuable. Uh, coach John Patrick, everybody, I sincerely appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.